Good morning. Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. Our service this morning will be led by the Senior High Youth Group. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning and welcome persons of all religions, ethnic and racial origins, sexual orientations, abilities, and other circumstances. We extend a special welcome to our visitors this morning. We're glad you're here. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark in the divine in every human. In the spirit of that heritage, greet each person to your right and left and welcome this here this morning. Please join me in saying the words by which we light our chalice. In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are, honing, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. People often ask, what holds Unitarian Universalists together? We all come find inspiration in different religions, Judaism, Christianity, Paganism, Buddhism, Hinduism, and many others. As Unitarian Universalists of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin, we find unity in our mission statement, which we say together. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. I now invite you all for a moment of meditation. Not the silence of a child finally asleep in a crib. Not the silence of pear blossoms falling. Not the silence of singers after the song. Not the silence of embarrassed strangers. Not the silence of streets when gunshots stops. Not the silence of rage. Not the red-faced silence of frustration. Not the silence of the exhausted. Not the silence of the gardener gardening alone, but this. The silence of those who have been together and do not need to hide their aloneness with words. The silence of lovers who have come to a place of quiet comfort. The silence of a newborn at breast. The silence of of an overflowing human heart under the stars at night, the silence of friends holding still in a long, tender embrace. The first thought that I had when I heard that the theme for this service was expressions of the soul was that I wish I could paint. It's something that I've wished often, even though I can't draw so much as a straight line, because I can think of nothing more beautiful than someone looking on a piece of canvas and seeing a bit of my soul. Expressions of the soul made me wish that I could show with pinks and oranges and blues how I go about my day. 
A picture is worth a thousand words, you see. And even though I do have thousands of words, I found myself wishing for a more astonishing way to express my soul. I wondered if perhaps I should paint anyway, or write a poem, or a song. I spent hours deliberating just what I would write, just how I would say it, and just how everyone in this room would react to it. I felt like this was a big moment for me, a chance to show my face to a congregation that I hardly get to see. But I realized that planning out every second of my speech to match what I thought you would want to hear would be unfair to you, because you are learning more about my soul in the words that I stumble over and in the bite marks on my lips and in the color of my eyeshadow than you ever could from words only written to impress you. I have decided that I am not on this stage to impress you. And if the world's a stage, well, you can see where this is going. (laughs) As I bear my soul in this church, I wish, like anyone, that I could say that I am always kind, thoughtful, and compassionate. That I like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain. (laughs) But I can't, because I would be lying. Because the true expression of my soul cannot be painted on a canvas. Like the universe, it is infinite. And like the universe, it is constantly expanding. The expression of my soul is in the $2 I do not give to the homeless man on Wednesday and the two that I do give to him next week. The expression of my soul is in the text that I anxiously wait for and the call that I do not care to return. The expression of my soul is in the photographs I throw away and the photos that I regret not having kept. The expression of my soul is in my father's strong hands and in the curve of my mother's nose. In the butterfly that you try and catch and the moth that you let fly away. In the thunderstorm and in the sunshine. In the big bang and in the stardust that has formed into my flesh. All of these are expressions. And yet only a select few will ring true at any given time. Now I could give you a thousand more examples, but I suspect that many of you do not have that kind of time. (laughs) So I suppose if I have to leave you with something, if there is anything to be learned from my senseless kaleidoscope of words, then I will leave you with this. The next time you see a stranger tapping their foot at the checkout line in the grocery store, the next time you see someone smile, when they thought no one was looking. The next time you make a face at yourself in the mirror, understand that you are not simply seeing a tick or a twitch or a coincidence. Understand that you are looking into someone's universe and that they're looking into yours. So no, I don't like pina coladas or getting caught in the rain. And I can't paint or even draw a straight line. But I might, someday. And isn't that kind of beautiful? Thank you. Hi, my name is Mariana. My family excels in expression. My mother is an artist, a sculptor, while my father has been playing bass for forever. As a kid, I felt I had to pick between the two, either music or art, because my mother is no musician and my father is no artist. Unfortunately, I was mildly talented at both, and it tore me apart not to be able to choose. 
Then I found writing. I've always had a knack for rhetoric. My grandmother loves to tell a story of how someone left me alone in a carriage to grab something, and I shouted, look me, until someone finally did. In this vein, things haven't changed much. When I write, I write for me. It's a way of shouting for attention that, while I don't need, I want. Unlike when I was a baby, I want the attention because of what I have to say. More and more, I find myself writing as an expression of what I see. There's hardly any fiction to my poems, and any fiction to my short stories is in the same sense that Plato uses a fictitious cave. I write to show the world how my soul has filtered it. My mom uses clay the way that I use words, to form, to sculpt, a thought, an idea. My father uses bass as a way to express a sort of silence. It's a quiet that no one else can hear, but is evident on his face as he plays. I've had questions for them for as long as I can remember. How do you play? How do you start? And of course, can you teach me? It wasn't until I stopped trying to be an artist or a musician that I found how bothersome these sorts of questions are. People often ask writers what their writing process is. I find it to be a tedious question because people often don't have one, and if they do, it is one step. Writing. This is both unfortunate and unhelpful, so I am suggesting we change the question to one more answerable. How about what drives you to creativity? What makes your soul expression important? Or better yet, how do you use X medium to express Y thought? How do you use dance to express the injustice you see? How do you use art to show how your soul catches fire or words to display your bleeding heart? Step one, close your eyes. Listen to your heartbeat in somewhere other than your chest. Two, translate each beat into something only you can understand. Shapes, colors, notes, old Shakespeare quotes. It's up to you. Three, pile up your thoughts and start the trek up. Focus on each single bit of your thought mountain. Do not be afraid of how steep it is. Instead, congratulate yourself on having so many ideas that are all worth your time. Four, don't look down. There is a reason onwards and upwards is an expression used for perseverance, and nowhere in that saying does it mention what you have already passed. If you've passed it, you can see it on your way back. It's not important now. Five, find a good climbing playlist. People listen to music when running to help their motivation, so why not when climbing a metaphorical mountain? It doesn't have to be music. It doesn't even have to be real, as long as it spurs you on. You're almost there. Six, get tired. Almost every creative process involves some, some amount of something equivalent to writer's block. It's normal. It's natural. It will pass. Seven, reach the top. Or don't. Your ideas will always continue growing, and depending on how fast you climb and how quick you think, you might not reach the peak. No one expects your magnum opus to be created by following the steps a 17-year-old sets out for you. Eight, create. If you are not ready, climb higher, but don't think you've taken too big of a bite. Don't back down. Let the colors that flow through your veins out into the world. It's important that you do this for yourself. Not for me, not for anyone else. This is directed to you. 
as an individual. Transferring thoughts and experiences from your brain to your heart, turning them into colors, to movement, is only half of the process. Letting them free is what wipes the soul clean, and the tears of the joy of the day let out into the wind is what makes a new slate for a new day. So, in the spirit of release, move your body. Put as many exclamation marks as you think are necessary. Add that streak of yellow and vibrato the crap out of that last note. It's up to you. It is you. What you create is as much of a part of you as your limbs are, so never be ashamed of what you create. Part of the human experience is to encounter pain, sadness, excitement, relief. And as we are all, to my knowledge, humans, there is no reason not to revel in this shared experience. As individuals, we create to express what we feel. But as a collective, there is an amazing opportunity that arises. The opportunity to relate. Why else should we feel such satisfaction at things well-planned, except for that they are the product of those who find satisfaction in things well-planned? Why else would we be moved to tears when we read the poems of the sorrowful? Why else would we come together to sit in a room every week to listen to one person's words if those words did not mirror our own? We create for ourselves and share for others. That is the importance of the expressions of our soul. Thank you. I'm Kate, and I'd like to start on a realistic note. I can't sing. That said, I sung in choir for seven years. I like the sound of my own voice, but I realize that few other people share my opinion. The only accomplishment I can allot to my choir career is that I finally got my dad to stop making fun of how tone deaf I was. Am. I can't dance. That said, I tap danced for three years. I like dancing. My favorite dance move is a bit experimental. It involves the acceptance of gravity rather than resisting it. <laughs> Basically, I fall down. And for some reason, no one seems to understand that when I whip out this showstopper, I'm doing it on purpose. I call it a showstopper because at the last youth lock-in, I got so into the karaoke that I used my signature dance move and broke the microphone. No more karaoke. It really was a great sh showcase of both my singing and dancing abilities. There is a purpose to all this self-degradation. I can't play an instrument. That said, I played piano for 10 years. Now, piano I actually got pretty good at, and I stopped playing in high school when I encountered the insurmountable wall that is Scott Joplin. And I decided that I was happy with how far I'd come. I bragged about playing piano for a while after I stopped. Then, my little sister picked it up. And when she perfected the maple leaf rag in a single week, as easily as Superman leapt over tall buildings in a single bound, when she sped past my personal record of piano mastery, like Bonnie and Clyde past a billboard on the highway, that's when I admitted I can't play piano. <laughs> I can barely play a scale, after, especially after not touching the instrument since I quit. I admitted this only to myself, of course, not to my sister. Never. Hi, Allie. <laughs> now, my sister Allison is a different story. Although she doesn't like to sing, she has perfect pitch. Although she abhors school dances, she can dance. 
And although she has no interest in pursuing music in her life, she could start a one-woman band with all the instruments she plays. She could even design the album cover art. She can draw, too. But that's all right. It's awesome, because I make up for my lack of a creative outlet by helping other people with theirs. I may not be able to sing or dance, but you bet I'll organize a show featuring you. I may not be able to make art, but you bet I'll be putting together an auction for yours. My talents aren't ones that can be shown off, and I don't express myself through my hair or my clothes or my skin. My sole expression, pun intended, is the impact I have on the world. My favorite days are the ones where I can look around and see the imprint of my hand in the happiness of others. Because their success is my success. That includes this worship service. Atlas lifts up the world, and I lift up my friends. Community is my legacy. And now I ask you, what will be your legacy? Who will you lift up? Who has uplifted you? Who has been your atlas? How can we, as a group of humans, bonded by a shared set of beliefs to love and respect, strive to lift up others? As Unitarian Universalists, community is our religion. We see past the perceived limits people resign themselves to and push them to their true potential. My mother, Sheila Gladstone, who served as president of the church during our terminalist transition between ministers, is an introvert. My father, who would much rather sit in his office and tinker with his Excel spreadsheets than socialize with other people, served as financial advisor for the church for several years. I have seen this church bring people together in the most creative ways, from Hogwarts camp to the watermelon seed spitting contest. So it's no wonder that having grown up here with all my wonderful advisors and mentors, Bill and Laura, Amber, and now Jerry and Maddie, I have become a product of the church. My talent is bringing people together. My teacher was, is, this church. Thank you. The bridging ceremony celebrates the transition of our youth from their high school experience into young adulthood. It's the time of tremendous change and stress for our youth. It's a time when many of them will leave our particular church community to travel to other cities, into higher education, into careers, and possibly into new families. The bridging ceremony is a rite of passage that welcomes these bright and energetic young people into the rewards and responsibilities of adult life. The bridge has two sides. One side is childhood and adolescence. The other side is scary and vast, <laughs> vast frontier of the unknown. <laughs> it's full of boundless opportunities, but also a whole lot of new challenges. And we, the adult members of this church community, also stand on the other side. Not just the scary, scary, scary challenges. We stand on the other side with open arms to welcome you. To welcome all of them who come to us from YRUU, Young Religious Unitarian Universalists. Our minds are prepared to mentor them and learn from them 
as we're doing today, and our hearts are prepared to share life together with them. It's been awesome watching you five. I've known some of you since you were freshmen, and every week you inspire all of us. Um, And what you see here today uh, are the thoughts, ideas, and cares of this group. They put this together, and they put it on for you. And this group of seniors, I don't know what to say, they are amazing. Um, the leadership that they display is, is impressive. Um, in fact, a couple weeks ago, we were in class, and Miriam and Kate came up to me and said, um, Jerry, we're going to take over class today because we have some planning to do for Youth Sunday. And when you see that, you just step out of the way and let them do it. So... <laughs> So I want to say thank you to you five. Thank you for caring. Thank you for inspiring. And thank you for sharing yourselves with us. People often say that, you know, they'll look at a stage like this and see this talent and this wisdom and say, look, there's the future of our movement. There's the future of Unitarian Universalism. And I'm here to correct that because they're the now. These, these folks here are Unitarian Universalists, and they are experts at it. And they bring to us the wisdom that we lose when we leave this age. So thank you to all of you. I'm going to let you close out the service. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. May you live as though your soul is a fire. Let the kindlings speak through you and warm others, whether it be a burst of flaming embers or darting fleeting flicker. It is yours, your flame, your soul. Amen. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at www.austinuu.org.